You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. And gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, I got to say, this is a particularly satisfying Victory Monday. Um, I don't know. If I were to say this is the most satisfying, I don't know what even would be a close second. It would have to compete with the Packers getting once again to 13-3. and three for the third year in a row, beating a division rival, five-game win streak, offense and defense look good, watching other competitors crumble around you, ending the Vikings' season officially, which is the third and final competitor in the NFC North that hasn't been eliminated. Oh, and by the way, locked up the number one seed for the third year in a row. Oh, at home, in Lambeau, freezing temperatures. In fact, it's been a while since we've watched a game that felt that good. The Tennessee Titans game felt good for a lot of reasons, but it didn't have all these extra components to it. This is this is one of the more um, just feel-good games. I mean, it it wasn't uh, it wasn't the game that at the end of it I'm saying, okay, there is no team in the world that can touch the Packers. They are by far the best. I'm not saying that necessarily, but everything was just everything was just what it needed to be. If if you just made a list of things that could make this day or even this season kind of perfect, we kind of just ticked every single box after that game. I don't know what's left. Unless you wanted an undefeated season, um, a lack of injuries maybe you you could have hoped for, which we didn't get, but obviously that, you know, you don't want injuries because it's going to derail your season and it didn't. So, you know, I, I don't know. It was, it was just the game where you kind of stop and look around and go, wow, everything's just kind of perfect right now. You know, and the Vikings fans and Bears fans and every other fan base is, yeah, you're still going to lose in the NFC Championship. It's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Still feels good, man. That's all I know. <laughs> Worry about that when we come to it. By the way, um, there are some pretty scary AFC teams. I'm staring around the NFC NFC right now. I Look, I thought last year was our best shot in a long time. That was a fantastic team, and getting beat by Tampa was bad. That sucked. Because I thought we were better than Tampa. So anything can happen. But um, there's some there's some issues around the NFC. And in fact, why don't we kind of start there? Because um, I thought the other games that went on were pretty solid. They didn't all end the, the way I wanted them to. But they were right there. Um, one of the teams I had mentioned that's kind of showing some scary ability is Philadelphia. They barely squeaked out a win against Washington. I mean, that was one of about every game where where the team that I wanted to win was winning for a large portion of the game. And then the, that, the, the team that I don't want to win came back and won in the last second. I'm not super scared of Philly, but again, they're that team that like Buffalo, like New England, like a bunch of other teams, they don't win consistently, and their record is garbage, but they have enough ability to just show up one day and just blow up somebody. They're just a landmine. They're a one-trick pony. They, they blow somebody up, and then they're done. Um, the Rams, which was a great game for multiple reasons. Number one, they basically lost that game. They came back in the end and won. To Baltimore with a backup quarterback. Secondary storyline that's great. Everybody thought, oh, you almost lost to a backup quarterback. So did L.A. So how bad... 
are the Baltimore Ravens and their backup quarterback. Secondary question to that question, how much worse is their backup than um, Lamar Jackson when I've been telling you for three, four, five weeks that Lamar is one of the worst quarterbacks in football? It's not that big of a drop-off. I know nobody wants to hear it because Lamar is, is the greatest quarterback in the history of the universe, supposedly, but I'm sorry. Whatever it was that was good about the Baltimore Ravens for the last however many weeks Lamar was playing, Lamar played no part in it. So him being replaced changes the dynamic of how the offense plays, kind of, although this guy can run too, just not quite as well. But Baltimore's still Baltimore. Baltimore's still a tough team. So, you know, there you go. Tampa Bay lost in almost every way except technically the score, which is a weird sentence, but... I mean, uh, oh my goodness, (laughs) I just, I I don't know that I've seen a team implode as bad as Tampa. They're still winning, and Tom Brady still just has this, well, I mean, we've talked about it, he sold his soul to the devil, so there's that, so I mean, maybe he's going to win another Super Bowl, it's not impossible, because the guy can win with, with nothing, and that's basically what he has, but it is the Jets, so there's that. But it was, what, one week ago that they lost Chris Godwin and Leonard Fournette for the entire season, basically? And now, arguably, their best player just decided he doesn't want to play anymore and ripped his clothes off and walked off in the middle of the third quarter and was promptly or preemptively cut by the team before he had the opportunity to officially quit, I guess? I don't know. But, I mean, if you if you look at the grades for this offense, Tom Brady has the highest grade at 90.7, Antonio Brown, 89.5, so elite. He's gone. Then you got his offensive line, because that's obviously how Tom Brady operates. Then you have Chris Godwin at an 81. He's done. Then you have Leonard Fournette at a 74. He's done. So you've got three of the top seven are gone. The top two wide receivers for Tom Brady are done. The number one running back is done. So I'm not going to say the team is done, but um, when you watch them almost lose to the Jets, and then continue to regress as a team after that game, even though they won, that's pretty brutal. Now, they've got the Carolina Panthers next week. Do I think they're going to beat the Carolina Panthers? I would assume, although the Panthers are a better team than the Jets, so who knows. But, I mean, this is a this is a scary team that has a propensity to not be super great, and the offense is what makes them really, really good. I mean, if you look at their, you know, I mean, they just some of their higher scoring games, 31, 48, 45, 38, 30, 38, 30, 33, 32. I mean, they, they, they live in the 30s and 40s. Even most recently, not including their zero-point game against the Saints. But remember, the last time they, they played prior to this is when everything started. In the very next game after all the injuries, they almost lost to the Jets. And that's the other thing. And, and again, I don't, I don't mean to just continue rehashing this because I don't want to downplay the importance of winning big right? It's, it's important that your offense and defense do well enough to just blow people out, but I just think that's one dynamic. And consistency is another dynamic. And it's just, and we know because the Packers have been that team forever. The Packers for many, many years were the team that would blow everybody out. Even without a good defense, they would blow teams out. You know, 45 to 28 or 45 to 30 for that matter, still a 15 point win. That's a dominant win, but your defense sucks. But all that matters is you show up one day in the playoffs, and you just have one of your just garbage days. I mean, that's how the Packers have lost in the playoffs every single year so far. They beat everybody, they beat everybody, they beat everybody, but they just have that one game where they just don't show. I mean, that's not the greatest example because some of these teams, uh, Buffalo, New England, uh, Philly, whatever, 
it's more consistently bad. But when you have games that are that bad, 0-9, to and then you follow that up two weeks later with almost losing to the Jets, it's got to make you nervous. And again, I can sit here and say they still have a power. I mean, you still have Tom Brady, who's grading out as one of the best quarterbacks in football. You still have a him playing behind a dominant offensive line with Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski. The defense is still doing a good job. I mean, they allowed nine points against the Saints, six points against Carolina. The Jets kind of got away from them a tad. Prior to that, 27 to Buffalo is not the worst. 17 to the Falcons. 31 to the Colts isn't great, but t- you know what I mean? I mean, it, 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 it's still there. But the propensity to implode is problematic. And now you've got just sort of a cancerous situation going on where you're losing players. You're, you're playing well below expectation. You got guys apparently walking off. Granted, I don't think he's necessarily indicative of how the entire team feels. Like you could say with other teams where you got fights breaking out, Rams, because AB's just a little off the wall. Maybe everybody else is just having a good old time. But still, I mean, think about how I started this whole thing off, talking about how good everybody feels. And and the feeling that we have is the feeling that Aaron Rodgers has, is the feeling, I mean, you've got um, Razul Douglas on Twitter thanking God for letting him become a Green Bay Packer because he's just so happy. And we see that stuff every single week. These guys just feel good. How good do the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers feel right now? They still won, and they just blew out the Carolina Panthers the week before. But again, when you look at the full body of, of, of what's been going on the last several weeks, there's a lot of frustration. Look at the Rams, same exact situation. They won. They won in a close game against the Ravens, just like the Packers did. But you know what the Packers didn't do during that blowout or during that win over, over the Ravens? Start punching each other in the face. The one positive I will say for L.A., which is kind of a... a semi-positive thing. The only reason they barely got that win was because of the free agents that they picked up. Odell Beckham picked up that critical, what, fourth down, and then immediately after picked up the touchdown. And then Von Miller closed it out with a sack. Um, not that the Ravens had much of a shot, but that pretty much that pretty much iced it. So they showed up to help them win, but um, otherwise not a massive amount of good news there. Um, Miami and Tennessee, that doesn't super bother me. Miami was an absolute powerhouse. They were on a seven-game win streak. They seemed to be unstoppable. And then they just fell off. Three points, three to 34, they just got annihilated, which makes sense because it's Miami. And even when you look at teams like Miami or even teams like Cincinnati, these are these are teams that are showing glimmers of, hey, maybe they got something in the future, but they're still very young and very raw. And as much as I'm really looking at Cincinnati, like I said, I don't know, two weeks ago or whatever, that this is a, a massive up-and-coming team, you're still looking at a team that's more than likely going to, let's put it this way, I'd be shocked if they go all the way to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl this year. They just haven't put in the work yet. In fact, I would bet if Kansas City played them again in in the playoffs, I would bet on Kansas City just because they've been there. You know, Andy Reid's been there. Pat Mahomes has been there. They go there every single year. But uh, and, And Tennessee's no different. I'm still looking at Miami and Tennessee. Tennessee is like, oh, well, maybe they're back on track. Well, maybe, but again, it's that whole volatility thing. They've been sleeping for I don't know how long. Yeah, they're dangerous. They've always been dangerous, but they have they've been asleep. New England is back 50 to 10 over Jacksonville, but it's Jacksonville. And again, they they've also been like, okay, but what have you been doing? And so the the overarching theme here is you got a bunch of teams that have just been great in spots. New England, Tennessee, Miami, Tampa Bay, LA, Philadelphia. Every team that we've talked about so far, every there's a team in every single game so far that we've talked about. 
but I don't know that I would pick any of those teams over Green Bay necessarily. And even if you would pick them in more of a a head-to-head matchup, I still think the Packers have a better overall chance of getting to the end because at the end of the day, the Packers do find a way to win, right? So so head-to-head is you've got this ticking time bomb team that, you know, let's say more than 50% of the time, the offense and defense show up and just pummel teams. But they've also got that propensity to fall off. So I'm looking at the propensity to fall off team saying they're not going to win consistently enough to get all the way to the end. But can they just smash what's immediately in front of them? Yes. So that makes them scary. And that's what's going to make these playoffs scary because there's just a bunch of those teams. And the Packers are just the, the I'm not going to say the lone team, but they're kind of the team where it's like they don't win flashy games, but they just don't lose a lot. The Packers might have embarrassing wins, but they don't have embarrassing losses might be another way to put it. Ta- uh, they've had one this year, week one, where the team just came out flat. We lost to Minnesota. I don't know if I'd call it necessarily an embarrassing loss. And we lost barely to the Chiefs with Jordan Love as a backup. Um, Indy, another team that's like just a, a complete powerhouse lost to the Raven, or the Raiders. Why? How, what, what business do you guys have losing to the Raiders? You, you, you got this dominant like potential MVP running back and all this stuff going in your favor. Everything's just right there on the table, and it's just their week to completely fall off. You know, talked about Bengals, Chiefs. Chiefs just lost. That was, I've been saying, people ask me, what's what's the scariest? It's the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the scariest team. They just lost. And they lost, not because their offense isn't going, but because that defense that's been just the most dominant defense in I don't know how long just gave up 34 points. That's what made them lose. It wasn't the offense. It wasn't Pat Mahomes. It was that defense that's been super scary. And, and again, very similar to the Packers, right? Oh, man, the defense, it's really going. Here it comes. Here it goes. And then it just implodes. And, and you can just hear the collective screams from Chiefs fans, here we go again. We thought we had a defense, and they're, you know, this is why we're going to lose in the Super Bowl, because the defense just keeps, you know, imploding. Been there. We know how it feels. Bears-Giants, you guys already know I'm happy about that, because Andy Dalton was a quarterback, and I'm just going to keep pushing that narrative. So now Andy Dalton also, because Andy Dalton was 2-2, two and two, now he's 3-2. and two. So Foles is 1-0, and oh, Dalton is 3-2, and two, and uh, the biggest win for the Bears by far is this game against the Giants with Andy Dalton at quarterback. I don't care about the stat line. I just know Justin Fields wouldn't have done that, and it makes me laugh. 18 of 35, 173, a touchdown and a pick. That's not even good. Won the game, though, didn't he? No, oh, David Montgomery won the game. He had two touchdowns. Dude, he had 22 carries, 64 yards, 2.9 average. You know who had the best running average? Andy Dalton. Three carries, 14 yards, 4.7 yard average. Khalil Herbert, two carries, nine yards, 4.5. So Andy Dalton is your leading rusher, followed closely by Khalil Herbert. The one guy that was trash was David Montgomery. But yeah, he snuck in a couple touchdowns. Congratulations. Y'all might need to hang on to Andy Dalton. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, there, there was no way I could lose this. The Bears either lose, which is hilarious, or they win, drop another spot in draft position, and Andy Dalton proves to be that much better of a quarterback. I, I, I'm happy. I, I'm I'm beyond happy they won this game. Beyond happy. It means nothing. They didn't beat a team that's any good. They they beat the 4-12 and 12 Giants. They did it with Andy Dalton, and they, they, again, they get a worse draft pick. And by the way, I mean worse draft pick in the second round because... And it actually, it doesn't even matter to the Giants because the Giants own their pick. So if they win, Chicago, which is their pick, goes up. If they lose, their actual pick goes up. So right now the Giants, who have the Bears pick, are picking at 5-8. and eight. But yeah, Chicago dropped in the second round, so that's just freaking glorious. Other than that, you had Detroit got absolutely spanked by Seattle, which I'm actually happy about because Detroit's getting a little bit too much momentum for me. Uh, They're feeling a little bit too good about things. 
And with um, Minnesota and Chicago headed toward a teardown and rebuild, the Green Bay Packers, assuming they keep Aaron Rodgers, or even if they don't at this point, considering, um, you know, depending on how bad of a rebuild it is, the Packers are going to have an easy path through the NFC North next year. That is unless Detroit finds themselves, you know, somewhat competent. And I don't want that. And spare me all your competition stuff. I just want to wait, especially now I'm looking at it like, oh man, I wish I wish we had the, the Vikings at full strength. I don't. I'm over it. Well, it could help them in the postseason. You know what? They've How many games have they played? They've played a lot of games. If they had the p- possibility of playing Minnesota, maybe you want to be able to you know, get a shot. Listen, I want the first round by. That's what I want. I want the first round by. And I want this feeling that we have. I want the Packers to be feeling the way that they're feeling. Because I think that matters. I think walking off the field feeling like this is a team that's going to win a Super Bowl. Even if it wasn't the best team. They, they needed that team to put somebody away. Even Aaron Rodgers is talking about it. We wish we could kind of just bury a team a little bit. Well, there you go. And if you didn't pull your quarterback, you would have put even more points out, et cetera, et cetera, right? This was, this was a, a win I think the team needed. And I don't think they get it without all those. So I, I just, I don't care. I get what you're saying. I understand the importance of, of playing tough teams, but they've had their tough teams. They've had their tough wins. They've had their battling through adversity. They've had all that. I want a big game, a statement win, um, and just, just something to feel good about. And this was it. This was their opportunity to just, to just beat up a dying dog which makes it sound not great, but I'll stick with that. (laughs) It's the worst analogy ever. But, you know, you can't fight. It was a mean dog. It was Cujo. That's what they did. But Cujo was dying. And he he already bit us once. And we didn't kill him. I mean, he was already dying. And we just just kicked him like 37 times. But he was fine. He'll recover. And he deserved it. Moving on. That leads us to... Um, the final and and most glorious of them all, aside from the Packers winning, and that is Dallas losing to Arizona, which I didn't necessarily expect. But again, it's a crazy season because you got this powerhouse, dominant offense, dominant defense, and what happens? They fell apart. And again, the difference is when other teams fall apart, they lose. When the Packers fall apart, they find a way to win. But we complain about it. That's not good enough to win. They literally won, though. Other teams, when they have a bad day, they lose. If you have a bad day and win, and you're going up against a team that has bad days and loses, I don't know. I, I would bet on the team that doesn't lose. I, am I weird? But And again, all about that mentality going into the postseason, and that's what makes it feel so good. A lot of the top teams right now are not going in with the amount of confidence and feel good that the Packers are. Dallas, that was an embarrassing game. And, and there was a, uh, I didn't watch the whole game, but, but toward the end there was a turnover. I think Dak fumbled or had the ball stripped or whatever the case was, and Arizona got the ball back, and that more or less feel, sealed sealed the game. But that was the third drive where there should have been a turnover. Three drives in a row, the ball was on the ground and, and very easily could have been turned over, and Dallas got lucky, fell on the ball. In one case, actually picked up the ball, passed it, and picked up a yard on it. Just a whole bunch of drops and just horrible everything. And yeah, it's unlikely that they, they do that every single time. And if they start catching the ball and stop putting it on the ground, they probably win 35-25 or whatever the case would be. But they still did it. They're still having those mistakes. And they, they just walked out. And, and here's the other thing. Here, if you've been on Facebook at all, and I know some of you avoid it, but, and, and I have been kind of avoiding the trash talk groups, but occasionally you still see the trash talk stuff. The main narrative of the Dallas Cowboys haters, which is literally everybody that's not a Cowboys fan, is some kind of a meme alluding to 
the Dallas Cowboys being trash when they have to play teams that aren't just garbage, right? Or Dallas celebrating because they beat up on another like winless team. I mean, they they beat the Vikings, obviously not a team with a big winning record. Then they lost to Denver big time, 16 to 30, and Denver's not even a good team. They beat the Falcons, who are bad. They lost to the Chiefs, who are obviously a good team. They lost to the Raiders, who are not a very good team. They beat the Saints, who are not in the playoffs. Washington, who's out of the playoffs. The Giants, who are a four-win team. And Washington, who is a garbage team. The last time they beat a team that was any good was beating, I guess, the Patriots in overtime. But again, that was back in week six, maybe before they got good. Before that was the Giants, then the Panthers, then the Eagles, then the Chargers, then they lost to the Bucks. So maybe it's either New England or the Chargers are the only two semi-impressive wins that they've had. The only team they've played that's really like an upper echelon type team. Well, there's two. There's Tampa Bay, or, well, three now. Tampa Bay, the Chiefs, and Arizona, and they lost to all three. And this this was supposed to be their statement win, though. It's one thing to win 56-14 to 14 over Washington. And again, it's one of those things where it's like, well, if you're that much of a powerhouse, we know you're a good team, so you should be able to handle your business against Arizona, but you didn't. And And maybe you shouldn't put a lot of stock in that, but you know Dallas is, especially because everybody's going to be chirping. Because this, again, this was supposed to be the statement win. Yeah, you keep talking. You keep doubting us. We just won 56 to 14. And again, because everybody loves the blowout so much, Dallas has been the media darlings for the last week. Watch out for Dallas. They're super dominant. Number one offense in football. Top 10 defense, right? 14, 6, 20, 17. That's what they've allowed the last four weeks in their last four weeks of winning. And finally, the offense comes back, and they, they finally get back on track because they've been a dominant offense for a while, but it's it's been a couple weeks since they've done it. And then, boom, 56 points. So, again, everybody's screaming Dallas, but you got the haters and everybody else saying, oh, yeah, but wait until you play a team that's actually any good. And they fell apart, and they lost. And by the way, Arizona is questionably good at this point. Arizona has not won a game since uh, December 5th against the Bears. Before that was a bye week. Before that, they beat the Seahawks, who are terrible. Before that, they lost to Carolina. Before that, they beat San Francisco, who's not very good. Before that, they lost to Green Bay, beat Houston, beat Cleveland, beat the 49ers. I mean, they beat the Rams 37-20 to on October 3rd. I guess that's kind of impressive, right? So this was a very easy statement win, a very low bar for Dallas if you are a Super Bowl contender to beat Arizona. That's just reeling with a three-game losing streak. After their bye, they won one game, and it was against the Bears. This is at home, in Dallas, coming off a 56-point win. They lost to Arizona. And look, I don't, I don't want to come off as saying I'm dis, discounting every other team and all that's left that could possibly win is the Green Bay Packers. I'm just trying to prevent the opposite. I think sometimes, for whatever reason, we can get caught into this death spiral of, of saying, you know, the Packers aren't real competitors. They don't really have a chance. Because of this reason, because of that reason, because of special teams, because of run defense, because of defense overall, because of injury, because they don't, you know, their their point differential isn't high enough, because their DVOA isn't high enough, you know. Um, L.A., that's a team. Tampa Bay, that's a real team you got to worry about. New England, there's a team you got to worry about. Kansas City, right? Dallas, Arizona, whatever. All these other teams we can get in our head and be like, these teams really have a shot. The Packers really don't, unless they just luck into it. That's not true. And so the main takeaway here is you're feeling good. And what you're feeling, the Green Bay Packers are feeling, and that's a great feeling to have. It really is. And there's a lot to navigate. Should the Packers start their starters next week? That's going to be hotly debated. And I think fair points are being made on both sides. It is a concern 
sitting for two weeks and coming out just cold. It is. Coming out flat. I mean, after one week off, you got to worry about coming out flat. Two weeks off, that's a lot. But is it worth risking losing Aaron Rodgers and, and just completely losing your entire season or Devontae or anybody else that's a massive contributor for that matter simply to, to try to stay a little bit warmed up? So whatever the decision is, you can understand it. And there's going to be people, no matter what happens, screaming, Matt LaFleur is an idiot for doing that. If we rest guys and the Packers come out flat, Matt LaFleur is an idiot. If we play guys and anybody gets hurt, Matt LaFleur is an idiot, right? So I don't know. It sounds like guys are going to be playing. Aaron Rodgers basically flat out said, I will play. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm not I'm not really trusting anything necessarily. I think, I think what would be ideal for Matt LaFleur is to start the guys, plan on playing, whether it's a quarter or a half, and really just kind of hope that they do so well that you can justify pulling them anyways. <laughs> I don't know. But I think even if you, well, a quarter sucks because the Packers are always bad in the first quarter. A half, you get to be a little bit more risky, but it's, it's almost like just a giant practice. Like we're going to go out, we're going to try a couple things. We're going to try some concepts. We're going to do these kind of, just to kind of stay warmed up, just to kind of keep the mind fresh. And, you know, we're going to work on a couple things. Maybe, I mean, you almost would be tempted to work on the things that you don't do well which you run the risk of, of, you know, not looking very good, possibly losing the game. I mean, imagine if you only play a half and the Lions are, Lions are winning at halftime. Even if whether you win or lose the game, people are going to say, yeah, you were losing to the Lions. Granted, you could just go to the podium and explain it. But I mean, for whatever reason, you can go out and just be like, look, this, these are the things we need to improve on. We want to be able to run the ball better. So we're just going to run the ball a ton. We need to be, you know, we want to make sure Rodgers is sharp. Or, you know, the other the other benefit of, of the whole running thing is you keep Rodgers a lot up, upright and healthy. That's the, hey, I'll tell you what, sticking with that thought, we have not seen a ton of Patrick Taylor, but I have never seen Patrick Taylor run the ball and not been impressed with him. <laughs> Every time he touches the ball, it's like, I kind of like that guy. He seems to have about as much burst as anybody else on this team. I mean, he, he when he shoots through a hole, he's picking up seven yards. That guy just flies through. I would say better than Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, Aaron Jones does a much better job of navigating and weaving in and out of spaces to get those extra yards, whereas, you know, Patrick's just kind of flying. But you see him fly through a hole, it's like, jeez. Not to mention, he on one of those plays, got hit in the backfield and still found a way to get some decent positive yardage. That play was dead. So I like him. Maybe he gets a little bit of extra work. Because, I mean, hey, Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon could end up getting hurt. You want to make sure... You know, maybe you get these other guys. That could be a, also a case for resting people too, though. Depth. Injuries happen. Having these guys prepared and ready kind of makes sense. So, so again, there's there's a million different arguments. You play for a little bit to, to keep them fresh. You play to practice some concepts. You play to do this. Or you rest them to work the backups. I don't know, man. But the one thing we need to keep focused here is no matter what, it's positive. Because we have the ability and the freedom to make these kinds of decisions. It's a good thing to be in this position. It's all good. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break before we kind of dig into a couple uh, specifics. Get a new look at the playoff picture, including uh, probably the most likely scenarios for the playoff picture overall. Once again, if you're considering supporting, head over to my uh, Twitter account. Pinned to the top is a GoFundMe. Uh, Drew has been a uh, longtime listener to the show. He was diagnosed with epilepsy and is, is trying to get a seizure service dog to help him out. Again, I have received so much help from you guys from um, just general month-to-month support, from tuning in every day, um, helping me to get a new laptop, helping me to get a new computer, 
almost, almost getting me a trip to go hang out with Malcolm Reed and, and, and make some barbecue. So close. But um, I know you guys have, have rallied around and helped me with some stuff. And so I just want to redirect some of that energy towards Drew because, you know, some things are, not many things are bigger than my hopes and dreams of doing this full time. But I'll concede that this is probably a bigger deal. And I just want to make sure that he's able to get the help he needs. So if you got anything, if you could head over there, just click on the link and donate whatever you got. That would be greatly appreciated. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So one thing I want to bring to your attention real quick, I had way more fun than I thought, and shame on me for doubting the process, but um, Coach Hawn, who you guys know, we've done some stuff in the past. He's made some real insightful videos, came up with a pretty cool idea. He's been an admirer of Sam Holman for some time on Twitter. The guy does some really good breakdown stuff, and it's always hard for me to know. You know, I mean, we, we know about Dusty. We know about a lot of these guys, but something about Sam got uh, got Coach Hawn all, all just all worked up. Um, basically, from Coach Hawn's perspective, Sam is kind of brilliant when it comes to understanding scheme and all that kind of stuff. I've been trying to get you guys to head over to his Twitter. Um, he still only has, he's just under 300 followers, which is a crime against humanity. It's at Sam underscore D Holman, D-H-O-L-M-A-N, S-A-M underscore D-H-O-L-M-A-N. All right. He's got, he first of all writes over at Wisconsin Sports, Wiss Sports Heroics, whatever. So you can check him out there. But if you just want to see some cool, insightful stuff on Twitter, he's always doing, sometimes it's live in-game breakdowns of schematic things. A lot of times he'll go back and kind of give a, a summary. Anyways, point is, Coach Hawn had this idea, let's do a chalk war. And a chalk war is basically, um, Coach Hawn took the Packers offense, Sam took the Packers defense, and they came up with alignments. All right, so Coach Hawn would go first, he'd say, okay, this is how I'm going to align. And then um, Sam says, okay, here's how I want to align. And then Sam takes a minute to think about it. He says, okay, here's my play call. He basically locks it in. So then coach says, all right, here was my play. Here's what I did. And then Sam says, okay, here's what I call. And then based on that, we would look at and say, here's here's what we think the outcome would be. And based on the coverage, I think this guy's open. Or based, you know, this is where I was trying to hit Devontae, but I, I was expecting you to call this play and you ended up calling that play. So he's not going to be, so whatever. And if there was ever a tie, it fell to me to kind of decide what I think would have happened on that play, which I thought was a lot of fun. I, I, I actually thought, it wasn't as bad as I thought because I figured I'd be able to look at it and be like, I, have, I don't know what to do here. But it kind of, you, it, it's they make it really easy to understand the concepts. And, and essentially, I mean, it, it, it's crazy because it's unbelievably complex. But 
at the snap, everything just kind of makes sense. This guy drops here, so he's going to be in coverage. He's going to be here, but he's probably going to be a little shallow. And he, you know, you know what I mean? It, it, it all just makes perfect sense. Point is, we recorded it. We made a video out of it. Coach Hans sent that to me, so I think I'm just I'm just going to add a little bit to it. Um, they did do like you know, first down, second down, third down, fourth down, and so I just want to be able to add those uh, graphics. It'd also be nice if we had some some way of uh, knowing who the defensive players are, but I don't want to take that much time now because I know me, I'm just never going to get the video posted if I do that. But point is, I'm going to get that video up. Um, I'm going to plan to put it on YouTube. I'm going to plan to put it on um, Facebook, and I'll probably maybe put a teaser on Twitter because you can't put a long video on there, I don't believe. But be sure to check that out. And, And furthermore, we decided that not only do we want to do it again, but next time we want to do it live. And that way we can be more interactive. And so I'm, I'm hoping to get you guys over there to check it out live on YouTube and Facebook, get your comments in. And I'll, I would also love to have some kind of a poll. So when it comes down to a tiebreaker to be able to say, who do you think would win that route? Do you think Devontae is going to beat the safety to the corner or whatever the case may be? But you can also ask questions live. I can pop in be like, hey, why aren't, you know, be- because the cool thing is it's kind of like you can do the live in-game complaining instead of being like, why doesn't Matt LaFleur run the ball? You can just say, why don't you just run the ball? Why wouldn't you do this in that situation? Why don't you call this? And maybe we could even do a thing where somebody could suggest a play and I could DM, you know, Coach Hawn or whoever and be like, hey, somebody wants you to do this. Can you give it a shot? And just just to see how it goes. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times we think we know what we're talking about. Like, dude, why don't you just throw to Devontae? And then they can show like, okay, well, here's why I didn't, well, you know, that's a dumb idea, but let me just do it and we'll see how it goes. And then we'll watch Sam's play and they'll both just look at it and go, yeah, that was that was stupid, but thank you. But I won't spoil it for you as far as who won. It really was a good matchup. I thought it was really cool. And it was very insightful for me to just, to really see how much the play calling matters. I mean, at the end of the day, it's always going to come down to execution, but really, you know, calling the right play at the right time makes a massive difference and somebody's going to have the upper hand. Anybody can make a play. I mean, you know, but whether you've been put in a position to succeed or fail kind of happens when the play call comes in. But um, anyways, keep an eye out for that. That was a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll be doing that again. I don't know, this weekend, maybe. Anyways, um, taking a look at the breakdown of how everything is going, the Packers are the only team to clinch a first-round bye. The Chiefs, by the way, and this is the other glorious thing about the Chiefs losing. First of all, they now no longer are in the lead to get the first-round bye. The Titans are. And the Titans have the Houston Texans coming up. So the uh, the only way that the Chiefs can get that first-round bye is if Tennessee loses to the Houston Texans. Not impossible, obviously, but um, you never know. By the way, if I had to choose who's more likely to lose between the Chiefs and the Broncos and the Titans and the Houston Texans, um, it's definitely the Chiefs against Denver because Denver has that ability, especially being in the same division, to play upset. You know, Beyond that, though, the other great thing about what just happened is I mentioned that the Chiefs were the Super Bowl favorites by a small margin. That is no longer the case. If we look at the the top teams that are, and this is via 538's predictions with their mathematical wizardry, the Bills and the Titans are at 8%, and that's with the Titans most likely getting a first-round buy here. The Rams are at 9%. The Buccaneers are at 10%. This is to win the Super Bowl, 10% chance for the Buccaneers. The Chiefs, 19%. The Packers, 27%. So as of right now, at least via 538, the Packers are not only just the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl, but it's by a fairly wide margin. It's almost 
27% compared to the Chiefs at at uh, 19%. And that's, you know, if you compare that to the next highest NFC team with the Buccaneers at 10%, it tells you how much more likely the Packers seem to be to get to the Super Bowl. Maybe that's not comforting because, you know, it's the Packers and we know their track record and all that. But, you know, they they talked about it on the on the the old television last night after that win. You know, it's everything's right there. Everything is right on the platter. And even if I don't feel good as good about this year as I did last year, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. The fact remains, last year was in the past. The year before that is in the past. All these years of getting to the playoffs and losing are different seasons. This is a different season with different players and different levels of experience and different circumstances with different opponents. And they're correct. Everything is right there. It's been year after year after year of this team being this close, being so close, being right there with everything in front of them. Just go execute. And again, the Packers haven't been perfect, but the one thing they've consistently done is just go execute. Just go win. Yeah, I wish they'd win by 40. I wish they'd beat everybody by a massive margin. But you know what? The point is, the the biggest problem the Packers have had is when they play really, really well, they win. When they play when they don't play really, really well, they lose. That hasn't been the case this year. They've had a lot of ugly. They've had a lot of injuries. They've had a lot of adversity, but they've overcome it. And they just have to keep doing that. And by the way, they've done it against good teams too. It's not just, well, the problem with only being mediocre against mediocre teams is that when you play good teams, you're not going to win. Except that hasn't happened, has it? Everything is right here. You have home field advantage. You get the first round by. You dictate everything. It, everything has been in your control for quite a while, right? The Packers needed to just win out, just win out. Easier said than done, but it's still in your control. If you can manage it, you control your destiny, and they've done it. And and not only did they win the division, which a lot of people thought wouldn't happen. No, it's going to be the Vikings. No, it's the Bears with Justin Fields. It was always stupid, but we, we forget that this was never a guarantee. We didn't know what was going to happen. Remember how we felt after week one. We thought this season might be a disaster. Didn't know that Rodgers would only lose one game after that. But anyways, uh, continuing on with the um, playoff predictions. If everybody that is the favorite goes on to win, um, that is to say the uh, the Saints win, just looking at playoff teams in the NFC, the Saints win, the Dallas Cowboys win, uh, the Packers win, Tampa Bay wins, Arizona wins, LA wins, uh, and I think that's it. The Packers obviously have the number one seed. That can't be taken away from us, which just feels amazing. The Rams will have the number two seed and will play the seventh seed Saints. Tampa Bay will be at home with the number three seed against the number six seed Philadelphia. Dallas will be at home against the number five seed Arizona Cardinals, who just beat them at home. In this scenario, I think LA has the probably the easier game here because the Saints are just not very good right now. So I would assume that they would win. Tampa is not a guarantee because, again, remember, Philadelphia is that landmine. They're just going to blow up once. They might win this game. In that scenario, Philadelphia would come to Green Bay, assuming, like I said, the Saints lose. And Dallas, and, and by the way, I would, I would very much love that just to get Tampa Bay out of the way. Not that Philadelphia is a guarantee, but, I mean, my goodness, if, if Tampa Bay could lose and we get Philly at home to start this season, that's glorious. Yes, they're, they're dangerous at, at times, but you take a team like Philadelphia that's volatile and you put them in an environment like Lambeau Field in mid-January against a team that has not lost at home, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I like our odds. 
Because really, I mean, who's the kind of guy that's going to come to Lambeau and be able to manage that? It's Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not phased by a single thing ever. There is no competitive advantage. You, you, you got to catch him on a bad day and play perfect when you play Tom Brady, and that's just the reality. And I hate to say that out loud, but it's just the reality. He came to Green Bay. He was not phased by the... Well, I shouldn't say that. He didn't play great. But they... they whatever. It would be great. And, and obviously, looking at Arizona and Dallas, that's not a cut-and-dried situation. I could see Dallas beating Arizona to a pulp. Obviously, I can see Arizona beating Dallas in, in, uh, in Dallas because it just happened. So our scenarios are, if the Saints win, the Saints come to Green Bay, I would love that. I, I shouldn't say I would love that because that's the nightmare scenario in which we, you know, we, we play that team that beat us or whatever, and who knows, maybe they kind of got our number, I don't know, but I guess if LA wins, we, we destroy that scenario and that's nice. But I wouldn't hate LA being out of it because they can still be kind of scary or whatever, I don't know. If uh, the Saints lose, then we're looking at the uh, Philadelphia Eagles next. If the Eagles lose, you're looking at Arizona. And if Arizona loses, then we're playing Dallas. Those are the scenarios. In this scenario, we would not play L.A. or Tampa Bay. The only teams we can't play are the number two or number three seed. It's either going to be four, five, six, or seven. If the more likely scenario happens, that is L.A. wins, Tampa wins, and Dallas wins, Dallas would come here. Tampa would go to L.A. I'm relatively confident that, well, it depends on the quality of Tampa, but then you would have probably Tampa beating um, LA, and then you'd have, again, Tampa coming here, which is not super ideal. I would much rather have LA win that game. If, however, I, actually, it's it's probably just going to be Tampa and LA unless there's something crazy happens, which I really hope that there is. I guess the only big shakeup would be if the Saints won, because then the Saints come here, and then Tampa becomes the top seed, so then everything kind of runs through Tampa, which isn't ideal. I mean, you know, for as far as their opponents, whether it's Arizona or Dallas, they'd have to come to Tampa. Uh, as far as things that can throw a wrench, because that's obviously not the the lock of who's going to be playing. Um, if, for example, if the Saints actually lose to the Falcons, which is not impossible, um, then we've got a shakeup in which the 49ers now are in the uh, in the playoff picture, and everything. Well, not everything, but Philadelphia goes to seven. So now you got Philly against LA. You got San Francisco against uh, Tampa, which is great because I hate both of those teams. And what if one of them gets knocked out? Great. And uh, Arizona stays at Dallas. If the 49ers beat the Rams, then you have Tampa going to the number two seed. San Francisco obviously is still in the playoffs. And then LA drops to the number five seeds. And then Arizona gets shuffled. So, so it would be Philly against Tampa, 49ers against Arizona, LA against Dallas. And the order that we would play them would be Philadelphia if they can beat Tampa, San Francisco if they can beat Arizona, LA if they can. Be, I don't like that at all. I don't want, I mean, again, if, if Philadelphia wins, great, because then Philly comes to Green Bay and Tampa's done. But I don't want to play San Francisco. Assuming Tampa wins, our options would be San Francisco, L.A., or Dallas. That just, I don't know, I don't like that. Otherwise, I mean, there's obviously mix and match between there, but all these other games don't really matter. Tampa could lose. It doesn't really change anything. I mean, it doesn't change anything at all other than their record. But that's kind of what we're looking at. These are the, these are the remaining teams, and it kind of comes down to, is it going to be San Francisco or Nolens? So... I don't know, man. It's it's that time of the year again. Feels good. Plenty of work to do. We'll see how it goes as far as guys sitting. Um, obviously, you got to watch out for the COVID monster, and hopefully that doesn't bite us. Again, the other good thing, though, is we got two weeks off. So for the next two weeks, we're kind of, I don't want to say safe, but we have the opportunity where anybody that gets it doesn't really matter. Even though we have a game this week, I mean, if Devontae gets it, if, if Rodgers gets it again, or how, whoever ends up getting it, Let's just, we got two weeks to get this and get it out of our system. And obviously with the, you know, they can 
come back a lot sooner now. There, there's there's a lessened risk of, of disaster, but there's still that possibility. So it, it helps from that standpoint as well. But that's about all I got, man. We'll 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 kind of dig into more tomorrow. I didn't really go over any of the stats or anything because it's I don't know, it just feels bigger than that. Who cares how many yards? It was just it was a great game. Great game for the offense, great game for the defense. Was it perfect? No, it doesn't matter. Don't don't care. It was it was it might as well have been perfect, because that's what you want. Mr. Complainy was kind of mad yesterday. I think we were up twenty to three, and he said it should have been at least twenty-four to three. It's like, you know what, dude, I can't talk to you today. If you're gonna if you're just gonna complain, and he's he's mad about Amari because that was a wasted pick, because this guy is better than Amari, and he's mad about Jordan Love because he missed two passes of his four. So he's a bust. He's garbage. We didn't win by enough. It's like, dude, I can't handle you today. Not today, man. It's another great day to be a Packer fan. I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have a great day. Keep an eye out for that video. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.